Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, and our Scares and Dares episode, where we review our favorite horror movie scare of the week and give you the NFL prop bets that we dare to make. My name is Nathan Wong, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time, and that's with me, as always, for our Scares and Dares episode, is senior staff writer, Joanne Hi, everyone. All right. How you doing, Joanne? Good. Um, when the police begin asking questions, 
Sarah decides to keep quiet. Intrigued by the stranger, an interest that appears to be mutual between her and the stranger, Sarah becomes torn between revealing the truth and protecting the man who saved her from her bullies. All right, so I'm going to stop there and not give away anything more uh, because there is quite a bit more to the story there. But this, it, you know, as we mentioned, the story, the setup is relatively straightforward, but interesting yeah. in the way they set it up. So what do you think about this movie? I really liked this movie. Um, I thought, like, there was no slow moments. Mm-hmm. It had a really nice pace. Yep. And, you know, I think we said it was an hour and a half. And, it, you know, it doesn't really feel like an, even an hour and a half. Like, I, I, there's no lull. Like, something is always going on. Right. But outside of that, um, I thought it was a really good um, movie for the genre. Like, bullying and I guess it's under a horoscope you know, but um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I think there, there definitely were a lot of interesting moral themes that were created there by writer-director Carlotta Pareda. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story, of course, sets up very simply, but gets very complex from a moral standpoint, I think. And Laura Galan, their lead actress who plays Sarah, does an amazing job of, Great kind of job. channeling the fear, anxiety, and confusion that a bullied teenager experiences, cross of how she should handle something that may be more evil than her bully bulliers. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, what, what does she really do here? Because it's all kind of relative. Right. Um, and, and, but to her, the you know, obviously have a very significant impact. A significant impact. And anyone who's been bullied, right, they probably, you know, secretly think like, oh, I wish they would just die or go away. You right, know, and, right. and, you know, most people don't do anything. But in this case, like someone has come in and, you know, try, uh, almost tried to solve her problem for her. But the person problem solves the problem may be worse than, I mean, to the world, it may be worse to the world, you know, but... than, than her bullies. And, and also that might, that might kind of be up for a debate. Well, true. I mean, um, I, I guess that is, that is up for a debate. Is bullying worse than uh, serial murder? I'm going to go with serial murder being worse. I don't know if it's, would you call it a serial murderer? Because really he was just targeting quote, unquote, who, bad people. And granted, he sure was though? the one judging who was bad and good. Remember, but... remember, he did actually have two other murders attributed to him earlier from, from, from in the movie that we're unsure as to why that happened, right? I mean, we don't really know why. Uh, well, if you're talking about... Um, the two people uh, of the pool. The lifeguard. He was very rude to him. Yeah, but, but, but being because rude. he was sitting there, right? They were sitting there at the at by the pool, and he was, you know, flirting with the waitress, and the guy was just sitting there staring at him. And granted, the lifeguard was an a hole, but you know, he goes to him and he's and he makes a comment and says, "What are you looking at?" And you know, I think gives him a shove or something. I mean, like, and so I think that's kind of a setup for his character. Well, sure. But we don't really know exactly what her his background is. And we'll get back to that in a second as well. The, I'm not condoning murder. Yeah, that's right. That's right. None <laughs> of us are ever condoning murder on this podcast. Uh, just let's be absolutely clear about that. Uh, the other part of this is that, you know, I, I think the story itself, like I said, it was simple, but it really is the typical revenge story that you see in this genre, uh, although with a twist. I mean, the typical revenge story, we see the person who's being bullied, uh, be the protagonist, break out of that that cycle and get revenge on the bullies. So, right. like, for instance, Sissy on, on Shudder is mm-hmm. an example of that. Or even the old classic horror movie, Carrie, yes. is kind of like that as well. Uh-huh. Right? But here, 
Sarah gets an opportunity to take revenge on her bullies by not doing anything. Yeah. You know, so I think it's an interesting twist on the entire revenge group. Yes. Which kind of goes to her character. So you see throughout the movie that she's the type of person that kind of tries to avoid and run away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even though she's getting picked on, she doesn't really stand up for herself. Right. You know, she, she'd rather avoid them than, you know, do anything. That's right. And it, it follows the same train if you think that, you know, she sees that, well, this guy is doing this terrible thing, but they're two are bullies. She's not going to do anything there either. Right. That's right. That's right. So it is very interesting. Um, it is a very, it definitely is a character study. It is. Uh, of, I, of Sarah. I, I, I think of Sarah. a little bit of morality play, yeah. so to speak. It definitely is a character study of Sarah. But we were talking about this also of the, um, I think, kind of the transition of the bullies is what we were saying. Yeah. No, that's true. And there is there is some aspect of, of how the bullies treat her. Before, during, and after. Yes. Right. And and, uh, and so there's, there's a lot three of major bullies. Right. And um, uh, it's how from how they behave towards her in the beginning and how they behave towards her in the end are interesting to see. Yes. Right. So the the uh, uh, as far as we can tell, the lead bully uh, is Maka, and she has two friends, Rossi and uh, Claudia. Uh-huh. And we are and it's set up earlier where. Claudia seems to be the most sympathetic yes. of the bullies. And she doesn't really want to participate in the bullying it, yes, because it's her friends friend, and she wants to fit in. Right. So she wants to fit in. Exactly. And then, of course, we see kind of a um, um, an evolution yes. of her, their attitudes towards uh, Sarah as they go on. Right. At, towards the end. Yeah. Towards the end. Yeah. So not to give anything away, but certainly a very interesting aspect yeah. of the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about what you like uh, most and like least about the movie. Um, well, we already discussed it, but I liked um, the character study of Sarah mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. Like, I thought it was just very interesting to see, like, her development. Mm-hmm. And not to give it away, but how she is from when the movie starts, right. how she deals with things, and she eventually dealt with it at, towards the end of the movie. Yeah. I mean, I just, I liked seeing that progression and like even the internal conflict that she had throughout the movie. Yep. So I thought that was very interesting. I like that a lot. I agree. And what about what do you like least? The least, um, well, why don't you say what you liked most about the movie? Well, so what I liked most about it was, was essentially what you said. It's, it's the fact that this is a revenge trope that's changed into a more relatable narrative. You know, I, I think that the idea that we're really looking at Sarah from a moral standpoint as opposed to looking at or judging her for being this kind of, you know, vicious, uh, uh, you know, revenge-taking uh, protagonist, you know, it's always hard to believe that someone becomes an effective cold-blooded assassin after being bullied or develops superhuman powers to exactly revenge on the bullies. As much as we like to see it in movies, right? We, it's hard to believe that. But having a third party intervene and place those bullies in mortal danger, I think, is more believable, which makes the story more relatable because this could happen. And, mm-hmm. and the question is, you know, it's not that Sarah doesn't develop this inner, you know, power, right. you know, whether it's to stand up to her bullies, take revenge, you know, or supernatural or, you know, super power of some kind. It's really a situation that's landed in her lap where she has the power to get revenge by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly. Yeah. Like, what do you do at right. this point? Exactly. So what about what you like, Lee? Um, so that's funny because, you know, we're, I was saying I had a hard time trying to, think about what I'd like least yeah. about this movie. Yep. Um, I, there was just so many good points, and I 
just don't think there were that many bad ones. Right. And so, um, and so, like, I came up with one, but I don't really think it was, it really is uh, what I like least. Okay. And it's the one that you had mentioned. Okay. So you said, so why did you say what you like least? Well, so what I like least was the, the lack of background regarding some of the characters. So, for instance, The Stranger, um, well, we could have, if we had some background on him, maybe we could have helped explain why he was so attracted to Sarah. I know we had some discussions about maybe he felt misunderstood and he felt that Sarah felt, felt misunderstood, so they felt some kinship. But it would have been great to have a little bit of background there. Also, outside of Claudia, we got zero depth in terms of character development for the bullies. So we had no idea what... Uh, what makes Maka or Rosie tick. And, and the fact that, you know, we, we examine at least Rosie's attitude towards Sarah as we get to the end of the movie, it's really hard to tell, you know, what, what's the significance of that? You know, I mean, how does that really impact the, the, the moral decision-making? And I think if we had some, some more character development on them, it would have made the moral decision that Sarah had to make a much more gray. So what I did come up with is I said, I would like to know a little bit more about the stranger yeah. is what I said. You went and said you wanted to know more about the bullies and yeah. Claudia. About, about Maha, Rosie. Right. So, Claudia, I think we had enough. But uh, I was thinking, uh, but, you know, thinking about it, that's the only thing I came up with because I was, I, the, my only thought was, is like, what is it about the stranger? Because I don't really, we don't know that much about him. It's, Very little. There's, there's nothing really about him in the movie. Right. But, on the flip side of that, I feel like they gave us enough information that we could decipher really who he is, what his, what kind of his thinking process and his background is, um, because, like you said, they he found this kinship with Sarah. Right. So, so it's implying. Yes. Yeah, so it's implying infer a lot of things, which maybe. I yes, infer, and, and I think that's okay with me because. I like the length of the movie. I don't want it any longer. And right. once you dive into like these characters, you make the movie longer. Right. I agree. And regard and the thing about the two bullies, um, you know, I just feel like we know who those people are. We live in a society where we have social media and we grew up as teenagers, so we know why bullies are bullies. Right? They're insecure about themselves. They need right. to put other people down. We don't need to know more about them. But, They're know, bullies. I feel like, though, that, I mean, Claudia had some depth because she did have some insecurities, but it was her friend, right? So she was kind of going along with it. And, and, you, and you question, you know, and then at the end you really question whether Claudia would have been the same had there been no Maka and no, and no uh, Rossi. Right. Because, like, Maka and Rossi are out, were outwardly terrible, right? right? And Claudia was kind of, like, hesitant. And you know what? The funny thing is, is from that information that we got from the movie, I, w I would like to – I created a story where I was like, okay, Sarah and Claudia were friends when they were really young. Oh, okay. And right. then as they got older, right, right and, right. you know, Sarah was became overweight and, you know, kids started to make fun of her. Claudia didn't want to be picked on. And so she moved over to the other side, yeah, which is why she's hesitant to. Um, so typical teen drama. Right. <laughs> why she's hesitant to kind of be mean to her, but, gets, but goes along with what the other kids say. Right, this says more about Claudia, which I, I understand. Is it, what I don't know is Maka and Rosie. Well, Maka and Rosie are just bullies. And 
as I'm just saying, as we all know, there are just terrible people in this world, and those t- are they're representing the terrible people. But we get a chance to reevaluate most of these. Yes, so we I, get I, a I, chance to reevaluate most of these. I would love to know more about it in order to, to really kind of make it. And I think, but I think that's what's interesting is because we don't know that much about uh, Maka because you know right. what happens, but. Um, we do find out a little bit about Rosie, but I think that also, that's why I was saying it's a good study on, you know, just human character. Sure. Because sometimes bad people aren't all bad, and sometimes good people aren't all that good. In fact, that's always, I would say, that, that that's true. I mean, people so surprise you. Layers, no matter who right, you people are. surprise you no matter where you are in the spectrum, and I think that this movie showed that with those two characters, and that's why I just thought, just all in all, like, I really, there was nothing that I really didn't like. Okay, so let's give us your scare meter on this. Uh, zero to ten, zero being, wow, this is like the Powerpuff Girls. Ten being, oh my gosh, I just pooped my pants. What did you give it? Three. Three? I also gave it a three. I, I actually didn't think it was actually all that scary. It was just towards the end. Yeah. But, well, I mean, yeah. so so let, me, let me say this. There was a significant amount of gore at the end. At the end, yeah. Right? So it was almost like Saw-level gore at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so hostile-level gore. Hostile, maybe hostile-level yeah, hostile gore, gore yeah. at the end. But it was certainly, um, there wasn't a whole lot of gore up front. And right. there was some tension. Uh, and I thought they did some great framing in terms of the night scenes in order to ca- create a sense of tension and dread. But there really wasn't anything oh, scary, yeah, scary, scary, scary. You know, yeah. it was more of a drama than yes. it was a, a horror, so to speak, until we uh, get to the end. So let's call it a drama horror. Drama horror. Okay. <laughs> scare me to three. Both of us are three. So Rotten Tomatoes, actually, out of uh, 97 reviews, gave it a 92% on the tomato meter. Very, very well done. Found fresh. The audience score surprisingly lower. It's yes, I, yeah, I thought that was interesting That's too. Yeah. Uh, so the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes is brought hauntingly to life by Laura Gallen's committed performance. Piggy deftly deploys genre thrills in service of sharp social commentary. I can buy all that. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. So what do you think here? Give it a star rating of zero to four. What do you give it? I gave it a three. A three. I also gave it a three. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you actually completely meshed on this one so why did you give it a three um you know it's hard to give any movie a four i think yeah. but like i it was just a really good movie i probably would have given it a 3.5 if i didn't have to read but <laughs> so if you had known spanish so if you know spanish this is going to be a 3.5 for yeah, you yeah. I, I think that the, the interesting thing though is that i didn't really think it was much of a horror movie so that's that's i gave it a that's three why, so I, thought it was a, I thought it was a good movie but mm-hmm. not really a good horror movie uh, obviously, social commentary, the moral dilemma that Sarah's placed in was very was really great. You know, kind of deciding whether to help the people who have made her life absolutely miserable, miserable, or side with this, a killer. I won't call him serial killer, as a killer who appears to like her for who she is. I mean, yes, really, he accepts her, right. and he's there, and he wants to help her. Yeah, he wants to make her life better. In many ways, this is a reflection of the different types of people you can find, right? Yeah, the good and the bad. They both have good and bad. Yeah, some bad, a little bit more bad, but yeah. it depends on the person, yeah. right? Perspective and how you deal with these issues. Because to Sarah, the bullying obviously dramatically impacted her life. Yes, you know, killing at random people around town. Maybe not so much. So, uh, <laughs> just saying, just saying. All right. All right. So, that's all we got right there. That was Piggy, the 2022 movie from Spain, which is streaming on Hulu. Go ahead and check it out. It is a lot of fun. And we're going to go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that one right now and move on to our bets, to our dares, to the NFL prop bets that we dare to make 
for the 2023 NFL Draft. So this is fun. The draft is coming up just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Lots of things to talk about there. Things are always changing. But let's start with you first. What we're going to do is pick the two prop bets that we like most to make for the 2023 NFL Draft. What do you got first? Um, I picked the number one overall draft pick. All right. So the number one overall draft pick, the odds are as such. Bryce Young from Alabama, the quarterback at minus 350. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback at plus 250. Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback at plus 2,500. And Will Levis, the Kentucky quarterback at plus 6,000. So who would you end up picking as your prop bet for the number one overall pick? I picked C.J. Stroud at okay. Plus 250, the Ohio quarterback. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Why'd you do that? So uh, the Panthers have the number one overall pick this year. They do. Um, Last year, I don't know if anyone remembers, but the Panthers drafted a quarterback in the third round, uh, Matt Corral. All right. I'm pretty sure not many people remember that. (laughs) Nobody remembers. You know why? Because he got injured during preseason against the New England Patriots. Okay. They said he had a Frank injury, injury, which is a foot injury if yep. anyone does not know it's a dislocation yep. and so he was just out the entire season yes. this was unfortunate for Corral because the Panthers did not have a quarterback all season well I mean they, they had a combo of Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold both of which had times injured and yes those times were really bad which well. is what I'm saying there was a good opportunity for him to have taking center stage, yes. but that was missed. Obviously. Okay, yep. so now we got a new coach coming in. Yep. We got a new system coming in, and I'm sure that, you know, um, Coach uh, Reich wouldn't care. Yeah, Frank Reich. Reich? Yeah. Reich. I, my apologies. Colts. Yep. <laughs> Freshly fired from the Colts last season, Frank Reich. But um, he doesn't know who Corral is. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't played. He had. He probably, you know, looked at his like, you know, college footage or whatever. Yeah, but he, like, it wasn't his decision. Yeah. It's yeah. He, it's not that he drafted him. Right. And let's be honest, like, you know, Corral, uh, like, really fell in the draft because he had so many off-field issues. Okay. So a lot of teams did not want to deal with it. Right. Um. So now we come to 2023, yeah. and you know, the fact that they traded up for the number one pick says. We're going to get a quarterback, and we're oh, going to get the quarterback that we want. New regime, they want to start with the quarterback yeah. they want. Yeah. So, and Frank, Frank Reich never had that opportunity in Indianapolis, right? He was saddled with all sorts of crap, red, I don't want to say crap, bad veterans, right? Yes. And Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan and so on and so forth. Yeah, so, like, so there is no question that he's going to draft a quarterback. Yes. Now, who's going to actually start? Who knows? Who right. knows? We don't know that. Right? But – he is going to draft a quarterback, and which quarterback is he going to draft? I know a lot of people are on the bandwagon for Brand, uh, for Bryce Young, yep. but I cannot be on the Bryce Young quarterback. Okay. Um, the first reason is that I picked Stroud was height. Yes. That's height. What, that's, a lot of people have knocked uh, Bryce Young for being a much shorter quarterback. But but strangely, like they said that he was six feet, but when they measured him at the um combine, combine he was five ten. Yeah. So. You know, it may, you know, so like maybe 5'11". So now there's like some questions. Is yeah. he, is he like six feet and 195 pounds or is he about 5'10 and 204 pounds? Right. Like something is not making any sense here. Right. And I think that is one of the, one of the issues that, you know, um, that they're going to have, they're going to have to decide what to do. 
Another reason I picked um, CJ Stroud because both are both are juniors. Right. You know, both had great seasons yes. while they were quarterbacks both for their prospective teams. Yeah. So, like, let's take that out of the picture. So we got the height thing. The next thing is the school thing. It's Alabama. <laughs> and what is wrong with Alabama? Um, Let's take a look at some of the quarterbacks that they have produced. Okay. So we have Mac Jones. He's on uh, kind of teetering. He's teetering. He's not going to be anyone's franchise. Right. We have Tua. Yeah, Tua's been, been okay, but we, uh, had a lot of injuries. He's been okay. He has a lot of injuries. But let's see. Let's When you look back at his success, it's it's just been touch or go. Like right. there hasn't been any consistency to his success in the NFL. Right. All right. Then we got Jalen Hurts, which I think is probably right now the biggest story. But, but, because... but, but he did he did transfer out of Alabama to go to Oklahoma. Yes. Right? So he got drafted really out of Oklahoma. Yes, he got drafted out of right. Oklahoma. But he was he did start as an Alabama quarterback. He did. But yes, and got got the tips by Tua. But right? was drafted. But was draft. But was an Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yes. So I count so, him Oklahoma quarterback. All right. So he's an Oklahoma quarterback. Right. Then we got AJ McLaren, who was. With the Cincinnati Bengals in now, 2014, yeah, he now, got drafted. Now playing in the XFL. Yes, and then we got this guy, Greg McElroy, in 2011 was drafted by the Jets. I don't even. We don't know who that is. I so I'm just like following the this pattern. You know, Alabama produces running backs. Yeah, and and defensive players, and, and you know, but for skill positions, players. but yeah. for skill positions, right. they're known for running backs. Yeah. Right. They're not known for quarterback. I. I'm not saying whether Bryce Young will have a good career or not, yeah. but following this trend, I just don't see Bryce Young, you know, having the career that he, that Alabama thinks he's going to have. Yeah. Oh, and not to mention he won the Heisman, so you have the Heisman curse as well. Okay. <laughs> well, and I will say this. I agree about most of those things, although I do think Bryce Young could be good Russell Wilson or Russell Wilson was 5'11 as well. <laughs> I mean, I mean, good Russell Wilson, as in not Russell Wilson and Denver Broncos. Yeah, bad Russell. Wilson. Well, and that's the thing. I'm not saying he's gonna be. He's not gonna be a good quarterback. But, but CJ Stroud is the safer choice. I just think yes. I think that you know, if you, uh, between the two, I think that CJ Stroud has would be a better choice. Okay, CJ Stroud at plus two fifty as the uh, number one overall pick, and you get that nice payout too. Plus I know. The minus three fifty is a huge. Swing. It is a huge swing. So I'd rather. I, I like that. I like that pick. Uh, all right, so uh, my pick, first pick is uh, for first wide receiver drafted in the 2023 NFL draft. And right now the odds are as such, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State at minus 250, Zay Flowers from Boston College at plus 350, Jordan Addison of USC at plus 600, Quentin Johnston of TCU at plus 1,200, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee at plus 4,000, Josh Downs from North Carolina at plus 10,000, and Keishon Butte from LSU at plus 10,000. So uh, you can take all those guys at the bottom out. And it's interesting because coming into the offseason, I really, really like Quentin Johnson uh, out of TCU. But he apparently wasn't even invited to attend the draft in person by the NFL. Yeah. Presumably based on feedback from the teams drafting in the first round. So typically what the NFL does is they go pull those teams and say, which one of these players do you want to be at the, at the draft in the first round? Because we want them there in person when you draft them. And apparently the feedback they got was, not Quentin Johnson. No. So that's interesting. Yeah. I, I thought, I really think Quentin Johnson on a lot of big boards was ranked the number one wide receiver uh, in the draft, but um, the, it, uh, there you go. So I still like Johnson a lot, but if, if teams are talking him down to the point that he's not receiving an invite to the draft, then it really doesn't matter how good of a prospect I think he is. 
he is unlikely to be drafted first. Uh, now, Jordan Addison, he was the betting favorite to be the first wide receiver off the, off the board in the draft not that long ago. And it was only started, it only recently started slipping to Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba because Smith and Jigba apparently impressed the NFL teams with his elite route running abilities that he showed and that he showed well enough in NFL Combine to address fears that his lingering hamstring injury that kept him out for essentially all of 2022 would not be an issue next season. Now, so my concern is pretty clear. He has not played since 2021, and he is the odds-on favorite to be drafted first at minus 250, but he has not played since 2021. So there is some risk selecting him high in the draft. And in addition to that, he is a slot receiver only, and he would only be an asset to a team who needed a slot receiver only. He has no versatility outside of that. Uh, so if you have a general wide receiver need, good luck to you, sir. Uh, that being said, the safe play is still, based on the hype and based on the feedback we've seen from NFL scouts, Smith and Jigba at minus 250. But I like taking a chance on Jordan Addison, particularly at his elevated payout of plus 800. Addison can line up either on the outside or in the slot. He works well in space. There is lots of versatility in terms of where he can line up and fit into wide receiver needing teams. That gives you a lot of flexibility when you come into setting your lineups. He was the odds-on favorite recently. It's only recently that he slipped. He played in 2023, so that's something that Smith and Jigba did not do. And he currently has no injury risk uh, regarding playing uh, next season, which is something that Smith and Jigba does have. So I like taking a chance on Addison because he was the guy who was the odds-on favorite just recently uh, to be the first wide receiver drafted. And they're giving him this great playout odds of plus 600. So I'm taking Jordan Addison at plus 600. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Smith and Jigba is going to have so much hype that he probably will be the guy selected first. But at minus 250, I don't think that's worth the bet. I think I'd rather put the money on, on, on getting the bigger payout. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is very interesting because, yeah, he did. He is getting, like, so much hype right now. And it is very weird because he didn't play. He didn't play last so, year. I mean, everyone said he was a great 2021. That was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I also thought that was interesting. I actually thought, like, Zay Flowers was going to get more hype. Well, and, and, and I think the problem with Zay Flowers is that he was hidden in a really bad team. The Boston College uh, Boston College he was, was terrible. Miserable. And we watched Boston yeah, College. Yeah, were so bad yes. Notre Dame, at Notre Dame and they were miserable they didn't even score until I mean it was horrible and that's the problem is that he is a great wide receiver but he did not have a great offense around him so it's hard to showcase him yeah and I think he did not build a lot of hype because of that he still is a great NFL prospect right and I like him a lot which is why I think that's surprising yeah but I think that the problem was he just didn't have the showcase that uh someone like Jackson Smith and Kigba had in 2021 or that Jordan Addison had at USC last year so uh, there's that. Yes, unfortunately. All right. So what do you got next in terms of your opinion? Um, you the have... first tight end okay, that so is going to go off the board. First tight end drafted in the 2023 NFL draft. Here are the odds. Dalton Kincaid out of Utah at minus 175. Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame at plus 150. Darnell Washington out of Georgia at plus 800. Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State at plus 5,000. Sam Laporta out of Iowa at plus 5,000. And Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State at plus 10,000. So who do you have? as your first tight end drafted. So the first tight end I think is going to go off the board is Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer. From Notre Dame. At plus 150. Plus 150, yes. So, you know, first of all, you know, like with Alabama producing running backs, like Notre Dame produces tight ends. Tight end you. And Michael Mayer, if you have watched him in college, fabulous tight end. That's right. Uh, There are some things about him that, you know, that the NFL might not like. Um, one of them being is that he doesn't have a lot of quickness. Yeah. 
I mean, he's not very fast once right. he gets the ball. Right. Neither was Gronk, though. Yes. <laughs> Neither is Gronk, right. definitely. Right. But the thing is, is that, like, Michael Mayer is a very big guy. He is. He is very substantial. Right. And when he does get the ball, it is very hard to take him down. Yeah. I mean, he will just keep lumbering forward right. like Gronk. Very, <laughs> yes. like very much like Gronk. So I think, like, for those two reasons, because of his frame, yeah. um, he has good hands solid blocker as well yeah i think like for me he's gonna be the first one off the board and then you get the bump with the plus one with the yes with the bump and you know the thing is is that um kincaid also a really good prospect absolutely um like you know and some people say you know better than michael mayer in a lot of things um in a lot of ways but you know, one of the things um, that people don't like about Kincaid, which I think is interesting, mm-hmm. and this is not why I didn't pick Kincaid, um, is they said that he's too old. <laughs> yeah, well, he is uh, He's older. 24. He's older than... The yeah, he's going to yeah. be 24 in October. So people were like, he's he's older than the, the um, normal uh, draft prospect. Yeah. yeah, so they kind of felt like they might not get the uh, years of production that you would get with a younger uh, player, which I thought that was very interesting. And less ramp-up time, obviously. Right? Yeah. And you don't have enough time. You, you can't let them sit and wallow away in the bench for a year. No, or and two. learn or whatnot. Right. But, uh, I mean, like we've seen at most tight ends, like when they get drafted and they're top prospects, I mean, they start that year. Yeah. I mean, they're out there because, you know, whether they're blocking or, you know, they're receiving. Right. I mean, they they usually slot in. Yeah, they they do. Like running back, they don't. There's usually they want to use them immediately. Right. right. So, but yeah, I I like I like Michael Mayer. I just think production wise, what he could do in the blocking aspect as well as like receiving, I just like him better. Yeah, and plus one fifty, um, pretty good payout there. All right, so let's go to my uh, my second one and the last one for today, and that's the total number of quarterbacks drafted in round one. The over under is. 4.5. So the total number of quarterbacks drafted in round one of the 2023 NFL draft over under is 4.5. I am going to take the under on 4.5. So, you know, and this is my reasoning for why. So we know for a fact that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, as you mentioned, they're going to get drafted in the first round, most likely in the top two picks. Uh, but then it gets hazy with all the remaining quarterbacks because they all have some issues. So first we have Anthony Richardson out of Florida. He put up a show at the combine. It was amazing. Great feats of athleticism, but he has serious issues with accuracy in college of a career completion percentage of just 54.7%. Now in the NFL teams look for at least 65% completion percentage for their starter. And with around 66% being the league average among starters, that's a far cry from 54.7, and of course, the NFL game moves much faster than college. Yeah. So I, I think there are some serious accuracy concerns with regard to Anthony Richardson. He's a great prospect still, big, big athlete, and obviously can make a lot of plays. And I'm not saying they can't develop that once he gets to an NFL team, but there is a question mark there, unlike we have with Bryce and Young. And also, and like, he should have developed that, you know, kind of throughout his college career. Yeah, and it didn't get better. I yeah. mean, it actually got worse in his last season than it did in his uh, previous season. So there's a yeah. question mark. Because as we know, all these quarterbacks, they work with people, like, during the summer. And, and off-season. Yeah, off-season. They work, they go to quarterback training camps and work with a lot of good quarterbacks that give them a lot of, like, tricks and hints and try to boost your game. Sure. So the fact that he couldn't do it, while he was in college, right. it's hard to believe that he would be able to do that at a higher level. At, yeah, yeah, at no, a quicker I, pace, you know, I higher do have level. Some concerns. I'm not saying he can't, but I do have some concerns. Which is why I, it's 
weird. He's so high up there on the board. Yeah, well, I mean, there's that. and But he's gotten a lot of hype because after the comp, I mean, he blew the combine out of the water. So I think that, that there's a lot of hype there. And, of course, he played in the SEC, so a lot of people overvalue quarterbacks in the SEC, you know, a la Alabama, for instance. As long as it's a team that I'm not rooting for, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Well, so, there, there's that. so there's that. So the other two that are, are likely – candidates for being drafted in the first round are Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. So Will Levis, now he is an interesting prospect uh, out of Kentucky. He threw almost a quarter of his passes, though, uh, to targets behind the line of scrimmage in 2022. All right. And his career TD and interception ratio is below two. So he throws a lot of interceptions and a lot of his passing, uh, a lot of his pass completions may are really easy passes. They're behind the line of scrimmage. It doesn't tell me much about a quarterback, right? And it might have overinflated his completion percentage. Uh, and again, there might be significant accuracies downfield of all the interceptions. If you're going to throw that many interceptions in college, then, you know, woe be you when you get to the NFL uh, and the cornerbacks are faced there. So I have, I think he has some serious question marks. And Hendon Hooker, I mean, he has terrific accuracy and mobility. I think that he might have been uh, in the conversation for number one overall if he didn't have an ACL injury that he sustained just this last November, which puts into question uh, when he'll be able to return to the field and whether the ACL injury will impact his mobility in any way mm-hmm. or his progressions or his, you know, his, his velocity. Mm-hmm. Any of those things can be impacted by an ACL repair. So Hennon Hooker, again, fantastic, fantastic numbers in college. Might have been number one overall had he not got the ACL injury, which is a real shame. But there is a question mark there. So I think there are plenty of quarterback needy teams out there, probably more than five. But I'm thinking that one of these three quarterbacks, just because of the fact that they have questions attached to them, are going to slip out of the first round. And that means that there won't be more than 4.5. So I think it's going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson will likely go as well in the first round because of the hype. And but one of Will Levis or Hendon Hooker will probably slide to the second round. Uh, So I'm thinking the under on 4.5 at minus 200. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of other uh, you know, prospects out there that might be better served. So yes, absolutely. And of course, that brings us in the show. Let's hit the air horn on the show there, and we have a little bit of extra overtime for you today because we had all this great information on these NFL draft prop bets. That was fun. I kind of like the NFL yeah. draft prop bets. That's something a little bit different. It's different, yes. Uh, so, Jaren, give us your social media media so people can follow you. It's at Kongfu for you on Twitter. All right. So, be sure to give her a follow and let her know what you think about her draft bets. Uh, particularly before they go uh, live, because obviously after that, anybody can be a Monday morning quarterback. So that being said, you can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time or on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. We'll be back next time with more picks for the upcoming season. Until then, watch those horror movie scares, make those NFL bet dares, and enjoy your NFL week. Good luck, everyone.